Good evening, and welcome to episode 27. It is the pre-election spectacular of Stick to Sports. I am Sean Gentile of Sporting News. Ryan Lambert from Yahoo Sports. And the election that we want to talk about this week is 2018 Massachusetts Senate, Kurt Schilling versus Elizabeth Warren. I First off, I like that this is... I, I can't handle talking about, really, in any real way, the presidential election. No, anymore. it's it's gotten bad. Um, like, you know, my friends who in the past have been like, well, you know what, I don't like either candidate, so I'm going to vote for a third party, blah, blah, blah. And now this year they're like, if you vote for a third party, you're literally a Nazi. And it's like, okay. In- in in a swing state, close enough. Yeah, but we all, me and all my friends, not all my friends, but me and most of my friends live in the state of Massachusetts where right. it doesn't matter even a little bit. So, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, no, I'm voting for Bernie Sanders. I think we talked about that before. Uh, I have no totally no compunction totally, about that. Totally understandable. Uh given your situation. Yeah. I would love to have the leeway to do something like that. But oh, sure, yeah, because if I lived in, like, Florida or Ohio, I would absolutely vote for Hillary Clinton and feel lousy about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's, like, the irony of, of this whole thing. Like, the, the, the Cutter contribution to the Clinton Foundation, like, that's part and parcel. That's, like, the exact example of the stuff that should make people not... That, that is going to make a lot of people feel like they're taking their medicine when whenever they make this vote. Right. But, you know, like you I said, got to do it. It's yeah. it's not the lesser of two evils. It's it's something something not quite that drastic. It's because like the, it's those two don't close. It's pretty. Close. I, I again, I've said I I don't think those two belong on the same plane. I get, I get what you're saying. I think uh, Hillary. It, it equates them in a way that they shouldn't be equated. Like, there, like there's certainly scenarios where, where the lesser of two evils thing would hold water. But given it's that it's him that we're talking about, I'm, yeah. Well, did you see the shit with Bill Maher on Friday night where he was where he apologized to some Republican uh, dipshit he had on his show, yes, saying like, saying like. Uh, I was too mean to you back in the day, or or whatever. It, it, I was, I was no, he, I was, he I was said, too mean to Bush. Yeah, and he and he said these were honorable men, and it's like shut the fuck up, you smug yeah. dip. Oh, I hate that guy. He's like when people talk about like arrogant liberal dickheads. He Bill Maher is who they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it, it just total neoliberal, just turd absolutely no and that's and that's another scary thing that's happened through all of this is the revisionism that's taken place with guys like george w bush and and george h w bush and i mean obviously the lincoln uh, lincoln my god i can't believe i said that the reagan revisionism that's taken hold over the last 10 years is psychotic yeah but it's only it, it's only getting worse now because like do those guys are those guys superficially like 
better by comparison? Uh, sh- sure, but that doesn't make them good. <laughs> right, like, George W. Bush is a literal war criminal. Right. So... And, and, and he, you know, look at... It It does, it seems... And part of this is, comes from being, you know, 18 and super into it for, say, like, the 2004 election, but it is so strange to me that, you know that there is this sort of desire to, I mean, yes. Is it funnier looking back on George W. Bush and and watching him mangle words and, you know, just generally carry himself like a jackass? Like, yeah, sure. That's fine. But his, he was a real problem. Yes. And he made, he made things terrible for many, many people under that village idiot veneer. So yeah. for people to so for people to just let that, you know, carry the day in 2016 is just just insane to me. Well, I, I said I, I, I said it. it over the weekend. Like the problem with Trump that people can't like countenance or whatever isn't his policy positions. It's that he has taken the like kindly veneer off GOP policy positions in general. Like right. where he where you know they don't say. I don't know, like, Muslims are are literal, like, every Muslim's a, a terrorist that doesn't deserve to be in this country, and, like, all Mexicans are rapists. But, like, this is what GOP policy has kind of, like, subtly put out there for oh, yeah, totally. 35, we've, 40 we've, years. And we've spoken about that, and we, we, yeah. we totally agree on that. That's not even, that's barely even a, a an, an argumentation point. Like, that's, that should be accepted as as fact yes he he took the gop's basic positions on a lot of things and just made them nastier he i wouldn't even say that i i would say he 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 spoke about them in a nastier way right but that's, he that's made, what i no, hold on that's that's what i mean okay. right? like he he made them more explicitly nasty right in, in the sense that he in the in the sense that he told the truth about them and and dropped and dropped the euphemisms and you know, kind of put it out in the open. Right. So, yeah, it's just, you know... I mean, think about it. Think about it. Fundamentally, of all all the people who have said that we're going to build a wall along the Mexican border and get tough on immigration, like, that's ultimately what what, what he's saying. Right. And and that's been said by so many, as if that's, you know, an appropriate thing to do. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the way he communicated it just... You know, was was the was the difference? So right. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fine with it, and that's why I'm that's why I'm enjoying this so much is because it, you know, it's forced a lot of people to reckon with the realities of of that party in in a lot of ways. Yeah, my my uncle meanwhile left a message on my Facebook page because like I've been tweeting or uh, putting up like links to articles and things like that, um, and he was like, "Trump is the man. Your girl Hillary's gonna." lose on Tuesday and I you know I told him that in no uncertain terms that this would not happen uh Hillary plus three and a half or four I think probably is the national number um but more more excitingly is my my his daughter who is my 22 year old cousin uh has recently become vegan and like woke about it that's great and but she is the kind of woke vegan who's like, I'm ready for human extinction. Like, human beings 
are a parasite on this planet. We all oh, that's deserve great. to die. It's the best. All that's all filtered through 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 veganism. Yes. Yeah. Can't imagine caring that much about it. You know what? Um like I I totally get where where like vegan like militant vegans like that are coming from. I really, really get that. I don't. Um like the idea that, you know, we're destroying the planet whatever, like 50% of all the species that have ever gone extinct have gone extinct, like, recently. That might not be it. I don't remember what the... <laughs> no, that can't yeah. be right. Fact, but, fact check that one, buddy. Yeah, well, because oh, I, I saw the uh, the new Da Vinci Code movie over the weekend, yeah. and, and they were talking about, like, oh, that's what it was. Half the species on Earth, like, recently have gone extinct in two, the last 200 years or something like that, just from people being horrible. And so, like, I don't disagree with that sentiment. If, if you're going to filter it through, like, we've commandeered all life and just, you know, made it for our benefit, basically. Like, I get that. I'm just... I don't... Whatever. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand. I don't. <laughs> all right, fair enough. A anyway... If it gets my cousin, like, posting basically, like, yeah, nine right. core lyrics on Facebook, oh, even God. though she's, like, you know, a 22-year-old kind of nerdy college student, that's pretty rad, in my opinion. She's going to show up at Thanksgiving and say, like, eat the rich or whatever. It's gonna Dude, rule. I'm psyched. I hope that's I'll have a, I'll have an ally for once in my fucking life. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no way it stops with the veganism. My God. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I yeah. have to like I, I think for Christmas I'm gonna buy her a subscription to Jacobin, and we'll then we'll really see where that gets me. If nothing else, it'll it'll get you some someone else to talk to. That's right. Um, so that's funny. We t we took a detour and and talked explicitly about the election for a while, but which we said we were not going. Which we to said do. we were not going to do, but I think. It does. It is worth pointing out that Kurt Schilling uh, peed his pants on social media yet again by tweeting a photo of that, you know, Lynchall journalist's T-shirt or whatever. Whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it said. He thinks it's cool. Of course he does. So much awesome, he said You're, the fifty-eight-year-old man. <laughs> so much awesome. Epic. Epic, epic win. Epic FTW. win. Epic win by lynch mobs by a lynch mob. At a, well, all right. First off, he's going to be your senator in four years. Oh my god! I I two years. Am so excited for this election because it's just I don't know if if you saw like pretty soon after he announced his candidacy, if you want to call it that, uh, he held like a mini rally in Boston, and yeah. there were maybe there was three, no one there. Three bemused like supporters, and then some people like walking by and it's not going to get that much better on like I, I think the the poll that the poll number i saw was you know liz warren 68 and then a top a, basically an effective tie within the margin of error for trump and i don't know or uh, not <laughs> trump shilling and i don't know it's good it's going to be an ass kicking. Oh, but like to see this smug shithead who like defrauded taxpayers and stuff get humiliated by a woman that, you know, he, he feels like he is her intellectual better. 
Very much so. Even though she's a Harvard professor. Even though she went to Harvard and he went to high school. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's I think I, really here's great. here's here's a hallmark I think of of stupid people who think they're smart on, on the internet. So he tweets this. Okay, so much awesome here with a guy that the the shirt. I was being half hyperbolic before, but the shirt says "Rope Tree Journalists." Some assembly required. Ha ha, lynch all journalists. Uh, his first response after that was somebody saying. Uh, or second, rather. Seriously? You think you need to ask if this is sarcasm? If you think you have to ask any of you, you suck at sarcasm. And, I mean, I have a feeling you feel the same way here. Talking about sarcasm a lot, like using, like, just referencing it and talking about referring to yourself as, oh, I'm very sarcastic is second language sarcasm oh man that we should have a a sarcasm font so people know when we're kidding that is such a red flag for me just in general in terms of somebody's sense of humor in terms of you know their intellect yeah they i don't like i i am immediately very 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 wary of interacting with anybody who's who who references sarcasm that much and that's how you know that chilling is full of shit by the way the venn diagram between people who talk about sarcasm that much and people who say you know you can't you shouldn't be offended people are always so offended safe spaces like that's just a, a single circle like very much so. It's it's a close cousin of people who self-identify as being snarky, which is another <laughs> thing that I hate. Yeah. Oh, I'm very snarky. Uh, but yeah, Kurt Schilling. I the irony of the whole. It's not. It's not irony. But the. I think what makes it so funny, <laughs> is that he's backtracking and trying to say that he didn't mean it and that it was a joke and everyone's being soft and whatever, when he has literally tweeted memes and photos and whatever advocating the murder of people before yeah that's that's great that's like, what makes it great you've like, done it before he he tweets about how like people who intellectually disagree with him about whatever are not literal nazis meanwhile he has like a nazi uh memorabilia collection like and i and and he's yeah. this fucking idiot is running for Senate in Massachusetts. Like the does only he, place he'd do what worse does he think? Yeah. is probably like California. In the other overwhelming <laughs> the other overwhelmingly funny part of this is that you'd be hard pressed to find especially I mean, obviously during his playing career, hard pressed to find a player that benefited more from media attention than him and and who went out of his way to court it in in every possible way i mean there's that is all the all those old stories have circulated over the last you know however many weeks yeah red light red light shilling one of his or red light kurt one of his managers called him because you know he's always looking for the camera all all that sort of stuff i mean the, the guy is just a total a total uh you know ham for or was for for all of that stuff during his during his career and absolutely and then he was in the media right 
and now he's like, oh yeah, it's it's awesome that that some that that some asshole at a at a Trump at a Trump rally is advocating, you know, or joking about about hanging journalists. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not even offended that like I'm a journal like because I feel like a lot of that is people are doing the same thing they did yeah. with Trump, where it's like, ooh, really classy to say, you know, that kind of bullshit. Like he's just a fucking moron, and like. Well, here I you know what I will say about that I'm I'm with you, like I I don't take it all that personally or anything. But if you watch some of the video of him going in on like Katie Turr over the course of yeah. the last couple oh, of years, sure. and like like specifically singling these people out, like that's legitimately dangerous. He he is he is putting. He is putting those people in in physical danger at, at at those rallies. Like there's there's no there's no debate about it. So so the more that I've seen video, especially over the last couple days, because like if you watch if you watch the uh, if you go to Brian Stelter's Twitter feed, Brian Stelter from CNN, he put together a video of just kind of orchestra. Is that that guy? Yep. Yep. He's a big fan of swing music. Um, if you go to his Twitter page, he has a a segment from his show where he just kind of encapsulates uh, the Trump versus the media bullying tour that's gone on over the last couple years. For sure. Last year. It, it is, it is, it is very bad. It like, absolutely he, is. He, he was, he's, he's a dangerous dude in, in, in that regard. So I'm not, I'm not like discounting it, but like, my God, this is, these are, these are morons joking about morons in the case of Kurt Schilling and this dude in the shirt. And, you know, yeah, it'll be, it'll, it'll be a lot, it won't be over tomorrow, but it'll be a, a lot less, a lot less visible and it, and it won't be dominating our lives. Yeah. And then in 2018, you know, starting in 2017, probably I'll, I'll have to listen to Kurt Schilling and, and that kind of thing. And I, I'm really looking forward to it. Cause again, I'm just going to watch this dumbass get humiliated by someone about a billion times smarter than he is. It'd be great. It's really, really going to be very, very good. Um, the other thing we wanted to talk about very briefly here is the... Uh, it's a sports topic of Jacob Truba finally signing with the Winnipeg Jets after all these what uh, weeks here. Yeah. I mean, and our take was immediately... The, the exact same. Yeah, this a, this is always the way it was going to end because the NHL is not for young players. Nope. That's the way it goes. Yeah. And it, and to see people continue, I wrote about this too today. To see people like continually, there's a weird contingent of smart people on Twitter that just don't seem to get it. Like they're they're like. I can understand being mad that that's the way the system works, but you know, stop being surprised by it. Like there, that element needs to be removed because this is how it works. There's no leverage on the player's behalf, and it, be, and it largely it comes from the fact that that offer sheets are non-existent and GMAs are terrified to use them. So that's the only possible form of leverage. It's never used. So the end result is you have. You know, people are much more willing to allow Kevin Dayoff to sign Jacob Truba for six million over two years, and then try to trade for him. Like that's that's a valid course of action. But yeah. signing 
signing Jacob Truba straight away yourself is not. It's crazy, but that's always the way that it works, and it's going to work probably that way forever because it's almost impossible to to see that changing as far as the as far as RFA compensation and you know that whole system. It's 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 not going to work. Yeah. It- I mean, I understand that there is, for, as far as GMs are concerned, like a disincentive to start offer sheeting uh, players, and not and not right. because like it's gonna result in the coach or the GM for the other team like trying to offer sheet your uh, restricted free agents, but because it has an inflationary effect on salaries. I think both. I mean, I think both are at play. Yeah, but I, I think that. It's it's very rare that you would see that actually happen, um, like a, a like a, a retaliatory one, just because teams really don't have the 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 salary I cap think, space and often the draft picks available. I think it's more. I think it's more. I think they're kind of the same. I think those are two similar sort of thought processes where. You know, maybe you. It's not that you don't. Um, like, uh, you say, okay, I'm not going to offer sheet your guys. You don't offer sheet mine. Like, okay, but that it's not quite that simple. I think generally the fear is, if I offer, it doesn't have to be like a one to one thing. You're just saying generally, like if, if the floodgates get open and I, and I offer sheet this guy, then it's going to be, not a one for one thing, but just you know, open season for everybody on 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 everybody. Sure. Without yeah, even I, I without even saying. taking without even taking inflation you know the inflationary effect in, into account for a second like it's just something that they want to avoid. Yeah, and what it ends up doing is screwing players who like because that's what you always hear, right? Is well, you can't compare RFA contracts to UFA contracts, and it's like that's true, but you should be able to because a player is good, right? You should be able to, but age. you you should be able to, but you can't. Right. It's not. It's not. In in for in terms of, you know, on a hot in a hockey sense, in terms of understanding the goodness or badness of a deal. It it's not instructive at all to think about Jacob Truba versus Chris Russell. That does. That's not. It's 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 almost literally an apples to oranges comparison. Yes. It's not the same thing. So there's there's no point in bringing up those guys, or bring up you know whatever guys who are even arbitration eligible. Like those, it's not it's not the same. So to say like oh look wow what a what a great job by Kevin Sheveldayoff, like not really. He just he just put his foot on on Truba's neck. A and B, uh, and B I forget what I was gonna say for B. <laughs> like the system's just rigged. Folks, the system's rigged. Folks, uh, uh, ju- the system so that, is rigged. So that teams get guys on cheap contracts for as long as they possibly can. Like until a guy is, you know, within two or three years of being twenty-six years old, teams are going to be able to screw them over on getting what they are, quote unquote, worth. But they've, you know. They did that to themselves. Oh, yeah. No, well, that's the thing, right? Is like... I mean, The don't, players I, have given so much back to the owners. Is, and it might have been... I mean, like, it's easy to, to say 
they did it to themselves now because maybe it was a necessary give back because the owners were, you know, it, it, it was an owner lockout and they were, they were at fault for, for the just vast, vast majority of, of the whole situation. But, you know, that's the way it works when you have veteran players, older guys who almost at minimum guys who are in their primes making up the negotiation committee and in the, in the NHLPA board and, and all that. Right. It, yeah, there's, there's no there's no representation there for younger players, and and so and so their interests were ignored. Yeah, it, it's a microcosm of like the baby boomer millennial like job market dynamic. Yeah, where, kind of. Where, again, they the older players have no financial incentive to, uh, to like negotiate on behalf of guys younger than them. Because guys younger than them, or when they were younger, rather, like those, they didn't get paid. So why I mean, should these new guys come in and now they'd be taking a larger piece of the pie from older players? Like that money has to come from somewhere. And the irony now is like, who knows? Maybe maybe this is the chip that changes things whenever the next set of negotiations happen, at least on the player's side, is that because young players are so preposterously cheap – and also, you know, better at hockey in, in a lot of ways when it comes to third, fourth line sort of situations. Right. I, like, it behooves uh, – we're, we've seen this in, in the NFL. It behooves veteran players to make young players a little bit more expensive because then maybe teams are less apt to – dump the older players for the younger players because the because the gap is that large now it, like right. it it's it's hilarious that you can have an entry-level deal uh, an entry-level guy on your fourth line making five hundred fifty fifty thousand dollars and then you know pay a 32 year old 1.8 to do the exact same job and right. and that's and, and you're seeing that vanish so when it's time for those guys to protect their own jobs like maybe that's like the the carrot in front of the horse yeah it, it's really tough because again they're just slamming the door behind them right like they're not their attitude is basically well i i only made 890 grand as a rookie or whatever it was so why should you know the kid who's going to be the number one overall pick six years from now be able to or earn one and a half like yeah. that's, that's I mean, literally how they think about it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's again, it's true across every sport. It's true in football. It's true. In, it, it happened a couple years ago with the NBA. That's, yeah. that's the, that's the element by the way, and we're getting off topic here, but whatever, that's the element with the NBA that people will talk about less versus, versus the age restriction, which I don't agree with the age restriction for a lot of different reasons but the rookie salary cap is has completely screwed over if you want to talk about it in in financial terms young players much more than than the one and done rule has and, yeah. it, and it's, true across, it's true across the board so you see it in the, you see it in the nba you obviously see it in, in the nfl and you see it in the, in the nhl too like it's young players get get the screws put to them because a owners will put the screws to any players that they can and be older players 
don't care about younger players. So of of course of course they're going to get crushed in in every in every possible way. Yeah, because it, it goes it even goes back to like the thing you said about putting the screws to younger players. That that whole thing where the uh, the Oilers lost that CBA mandated day off because the coach was mad at them. Mm-hmm. Where if you tried telling a veteran team to do that, like you know pick a pick a team with a lot of older the the Rangers. If you try telling the Rangers to do that, like Derek Stepan would have told Elaine Vigneault to go fuck himself right to his face. Like, you know, he makes five and a half million dollars. He's taking the day off. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. half the guys on the Oilers are making like less than two. And so they're like, well, I guess we better do it because coach is so mad. So. Right. It, you're just you're just so disadvantaged as a young as a young player, like in so many different ways. Like no, very few people are Connor McDavid, where they're, you know, the the captain, the face of the franchise, the future of, you know, probably the entire league. And even Connor McDavid is like, oh, better better do what coach says, better do what the older guys say. Yep, that's hockey, man. Yeah, and and you heard it too with um. Fuck, what's his name? Uh, Hampus Lindholm, where all the guys on the on the Ducks were texting him like, "Just take a deal, just take whatever money they'll give you." And it's like, no. What's wrong I mean, with you? I, whatever. If that's what these guys want to prioritize, you know, that's their that's their choice. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I guess it's probably the best way to put it. But it's hockey, man. All right. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this week we have another draft. And it's another movies of one actor draft. And it's movies of another one actor named Tom draft. We're going Tom Cruise movies. We're actually going Tom Bosley, the star of Happy Days and David the Gnome. Was he also in... Uh, Charlie's Angels. No, that was. Who am I that thinking joke? of? I'm pretty sure Tom. Let's Bosley. do another movie. Let's let's check out let's check out Tom Bosley's old IMDb page. Uh, I hate to break it to you, fam, but uh, Tom Bosley definitely involved in Charlie's Angels. It's not right. Nope. Never mind. His, John was Bosley a, was the name yeah, of the character. On the Charlie character's Angel. name was Bosley. I well, thought you were joking. No, I. Were joking I here's the thing: never seen that show, so I apologize to everyone who is so invested. And the only thing that Tom Bosley—he was in that '70s show. Mm, that was a bad idea. Not very interesting. Okay, well. Apologies to everyone. This is not getting edited <laughs> out of the show. Um, so yeah, Tom Cruise movies. We we decided we were going to go ten like we did with Tom Hanks, with the caveat that we understand that there are not twenty good Tom Cruise movies. There, there, are, there might be twenty watchable. <laughs> yeah, Tom there Cruise are movies. There, I'm on his Wikipedia page right now, and there is a lot of bullshit on here. <laughs> I agree. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, um, if I'm not mistaken, I have the first pick again because... No, oh, not you. <laughs> well, 
I think I think even you came around on people are just voting against me for the sake of it so. now. I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Oh, I, son I, of a I, bitch! I think that I think that that last vote was much. This the the sitcom vote was much more lopsided than it should have been. But I also got my like you boat raced me the week before that, so I I don't know if I don't know if that's totally true. I'm gonna say this: more lopsided than it should be was a good way of saying fucking bullshit <laughs> but you know you 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 beat my little bum the week before that so whatever okay uh so yeah first first pick there's a i get i'm trying to think what is my favorite tom cruise movie uh you know what i'm just gonna do it I'm going to say Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Oh, shit. I really didn't think you were going to take that. It's the best Tom Cruise movie. I had more fun watching that in the theater than many, many, many other things. I would say probably 95% of the movies I've seen in, in theaters. I, I had a blast. Yeah, I, I accidentally bought a, a ticket to see it in uh, IMAX. Yes, so did I. And I, I, I shouldn't say that I bought the IMAX ticket on purpose. I did not. I, I, I think it was maybe like the only showing at the time I went to the movies or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh shit, this was totally worth every penny that I spent on it. That movie is extremely good. Okay. Um, Ah, that's such a good pick. I, Thank right. you. You know what? Because because I just I'm taking Minority Report. I think I think that that is. You mean the Fox TV show? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would say that's a narrow second place for me in terms of my my personal favorite Tom Cruise movie. I haven't seen it in quite a while, but I remember it's, liking it a it's lot. It's really, it's really good, and it and it holds up. Yeah, I, I, I don't dislike that pick at all for you. Uh, I'm gonna go with Magnolia. Yeah, I figured you would. I, I kind of thought you were gonna take it first. I mean, that's as far from a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, but I mean, can... also he stars in it, and he says swear words and people were so fun with that it's a great movie yeah does he does he really star in it though i would say a lot of it revolves around him i don't think more so than than anybody else right well it's an it's an ensemble but like certainly ensemble um, yeah, no, I, I think if, you know, if I were going, like, if I were explaining who was in Magnolia to someone, I would lead with Tom Cruise. Yeah, sure. That's fair. I don't, it's because the most famous, per- whatever. That's, that's beside the point. Um, my second pick. Similar vein, actually, to Magnolia. Okay. In the sense that it's, that it's not a Tom Cruise movie, quote unquote. Tropic Thunder. Son of a bitch. I thought I might be able to sneak that one past you a little later on. Nope, nope, nope. Doesn't seem like it now. Well, truly, fine. truly hilarious. Still very funny. 
Still very funny. I watched it a month ago, maybe. Really? Uh, yeah, it holds up, man. It totally holds up. Interesting, interesting. The, even the even the Robert Downey parts. I thought he was very funny in that. Like they, it's it still blows me away that they did that in a way that was appropriate and it and worked. It totally it, worked. It worked. Yep. But they did. Yep. Um. All right. So, oh, yep. Go ahead. I think I'm gonna go with a few good men. Ooh. I gotta say, I'm surprised by that. Why? Because it's not that good. Really? I think it's uh-uh. good. No, 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 no. All right. Very long. And very, very Sorkin-y. It is, it is perhaps the most Sorkin-y thing it he's may be done the most, it, it may be the, the most Sorkin-y thing. Except for maybe the newsroom. I I was gonna say either the newsroom or the really preachy like early seasons of uh, the West Wing with like the two cathedrals. The two cathedrals might be the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen on television. It, his stuff doesn't age well. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. Try watching a few good men. When was the last time you saw it? Several years ago at this point. Tactical Uh error. Uh Uh-oh. It's all falling apart again. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Here's – this is to to a much lesser degree. Uh, I don't think this is quite as good as – I don't like it quite as much as I did when I – as when I saw it when I was, you know, a a kid almost literally. But Jerry Maguire. Mm. I I think Jerry Maguire – Jerry Maguire is – I think I like watching it as – I like watching it in terms of camera crew movies. I put it I put it with uh, with Almost Famous. I know wow. as, like a, as like a piece of work, I know that Almost Famous is much better. But there's something about Jerry Maguire that's like – It's extremely watchable. Yes, the and, and the watchability is is uh, is what leads me to take it here. Sure, that makes sense. I get it. I, I I I'm a little surprised to see you rank it that highly among the Cameron Crowe work, but like, yeah, it's a, it's I, a I think it's good. Like in terms of like, look, in terms of my personal feelings about about the films, I would say it's at worst a pretty close second. Sure. Yeah, I, I guess I just never really thought of it like that. I, I don't know. Um, my next pick, I'm going to take Born on the Fourth of July. Yep, it's movie. I can't say that I've seen that all the way through, honestly. We well, we watched it in like tenth grade U.S. Yeah. history class, and it, I'm going to say this: not an appropriate movie for high school students. <laughs> No. There's a lot of drug doing. There's a lot of like naked women. Like and not Sweet. and not and not like um the quote unquote like Schindler's list classy naked women where like it's right. an advancement of art. It's like, no, she's a Mexican prostitute or whatever, and you're like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Oops. Um wait this this is the fourth pick. Uh yes. Okay. Um 
with my fourth selection, I will take, <laughs> as I kill for a time, I'll, I'll take Rain Man. Sure. It's fine. I think, the, I think we're at the point now where that's a... Where that's a yeah, 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 yeah. Pick. I mean... I don't know, like, watching... I haven't seen that in a while. So watching that as a 30-year-old in 2016, like, maybe the Dustin Hoffman portrayal would seem, like, less kind than it did. Yeah, but, I, I, think, I think we can go back to a reference from Tropic Thunder with that. Yeah. Well... What, well, he was kind of... Well, he stopped. He 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 went he went half, didn't he? No, oh, he absolutely did not. When he starts screaming about like the baby in the hot bath and all that kind of stuff, ooh, it is. But as as Downey as Robert Downey Jr. said though, like he looks not he looks sure, like Dustin enough. Hoffman. Yeah. So it's yeah. He, he, went he was playing an autistic guy and not like you know right. someone with Down also. syndrome or whatever. So that's better i guess but it's still i get in terms of like in terms of like just total caricatures of people with with uh you know mental disabilities i i think you would look at say sean penn and i am sam as just totally (laughs) yeah uh ever the entire cast of the other sister like yeah i mean you can go down the list of really like inexcusable (laughs) um but yeah yeah so i'll I'll go rain man but that's also like i said with a cat with a cat the caveat that um i haven't seen it in a really long time yeah yeah, so we're starting to get in trouble here i would say that was my fourth pick um yeah next up i'm gonna go more recent uh, a, a pretty watchable action movie for me was jack reacher number one i haven't seen two yet but that's good. I I I liked Jack Reacher the the first one. I thought he was. I, I'll say this: best performance in the movie. Werner Herzog is the bad guy. Love it. Did you, I, did I you see to, it I, or no? No, I never filmed saw. Filmed in Here, Pittsburgh, his, Sean. Fil, filmed in Pittsburgh and starring Werner Herzog. As, those, as those are, like a terrorist with like three fingers or something like it's that. It's truly it's truly insane that I that that I've never seen this, but somehow somehow not. Uh, I'm going to, my own personal version of Jack Reacher, I would say is edge of tomorrow. Oh yeah. Really good. Really good. So underrated. I think the the title was just terrible. I think feel like that maybe had something to do with it, yeah, but just, they, uh, well, they changed it to live, die, repeat for which the... is no better. Oh, I think live, die, repeat's a really good title. Mm. I think that's an awesome title. Like, it tells you the entire plot of the movie. It's better than Edge of It's better than Edge of Tomorrow, but three words like it's it's as good as Planet of the Apes in tell in like conveying the <laughs> conveying the essence of that movie in what like in as succinctly as humanly possible. Yeah. That's fair. Um but no, I re- I like Emily Blunt a great deal. Yeah, I she's tend to great. like that she's in. Did you see uh, Girl on the Train? My nope. Ooh, she is an insane person in that movie. It's fantastic. I'll that'll I'll watch that on HBO at some point. 
Yeah, you sure will. Um, that's right where it's headed. What's your next pick? Uh, I'm going to go with Eyes Wide Shut. Kubrick. We'll never watch it again. Not interested. Really? You didn't like it that much? Just, but no. Just, it's a one and done. Fair enough. Although I said that about The Revenant and somehow have watched it. Nine times. <laughs> twice, twice more additionally. Um, Okay, with my sixth pick, I am going Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which obviously doesn't quite match the fun quotient of of Ghost Protocol, but oh my god, that movie is just bonkers. I could watch one of those every single year. Yeah, it's like the purge. I, 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 hope, I hope he, yeah, I hope he just keeps making them until he can't physically at all. Well, and maybe. Liam Neeson's still making movies where he beats the shit out of people. Like, why would why would I not buy Tom Cruise as a guy who could do that based on, you know, the last two decades of him doing a, a Mission Impossible movie every three years? Yeah, I mean, I guess, when I, I guess I'm just saying, like, until it's not possible to... At some point, he's not going to be able to do these huge set pieces. Like, sure. That, that just... Flying just, outside well, a plane. That was insane. <laughs> Well, and then the and then the scene in that in that uh, in that underwater like train or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever whatever he was in. It was a cooling like, center for a supercomputer. That was that was crazier than the plane, I think. Yeah. Um. So I whatever. At some point, he's not going to be able to just plow through six of those in single movies like like he still can but right you know until until that day comes i will watch them all sure um this is where i'm starting to get into tough uh to tough picks here but i'm gonna follow up your mission impossible rogue nation with my only other mission impossible pick uh mission impossible three philip seymour hoffman Amazing is the bad guy. Great, but yeah, I that yes. that was that was when he started doing the crazy set pieces for these movies, and it, it's got the most compelling bad guy performance of any Mission Impossible movie, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I to me that's like somehow the most forgettable of them all. Like I, the only thing I remember about that movie really is 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 Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, I don't, I remember next to nothing else about it. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I remember, I think the only thing I remember from two is the Limp Biscuit song. Honest, like, to be totally honest, I don't remember one second of that movie. Otherwise, I remember a bit more of it than that, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's definitely dominated by the Limp Biscuit song. I would say for sure. <laughs> uh, Okay. Uh, sixth pick? Uh, this will no. be six, yeah. No, seven, six. sorry. Seven for you. I definitely missed one. Nope. No, no, I, I'm, I didn't write one down myself. Oh, what did I Sean, after? what are we going to do with you? <laughs> what did I pick after Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol? You didn't pick... Oh, uh, Minority Report was your number one. 
I know. Minority Report, Tropic Thunder, Jerry Maguire, Rain Man, Mission Impossible. Oh, I, I missed tomorrow. Uh, I missed Edge tomorrow. Yep. Live, die, repeat. Right. Okay. Um, I think it's safe to say that all the movies that I actually legitimately like are gone. Yeah. <clears throat> but of his early period, let's say... I do like Days of I, I like Days of Thunder enough to pick it. It's such a ridiculous, stupid movie, but uh, it's also it's also pretty fun. It all and it also was literally the only thing I knew of, like that was the only frame of reference I had for NASCAR until I was about twenty five. Also, yeah. By the way, I, I I didn't know this up until like right now when I opened his Wikipedia page. He got a writer credit on that movie. Yeah, he apparently did the story. Crazy. I, re- I remember hearing that. But, it, uh, you know, uh, Robert Duvall's in it. Really great, low-key, like, dickhead villain performance by Carrie Always. Like, it's 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 fine. It's a good it's a good movie to watch on TNT when you are 11. Yeah. So, I'm fine with it. Um, sure. Uh, another, another movie, I think... Uh... I haven't seen it in forever, but I, I liked it. Is this your pick? Is this your yeah, pick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it at the time. I don't know. I, I thought it was a really interesting performance from Tom Cruise, specifically Collateral. Yeah, I think I watched that on a plane. It was it was completely okay. Seeing him as like a, a you know a, a bad guy. Man, yeah, that, that was very interesting to me. So that's why I am selecting it with my eighth pick. Good for you. Thank you. Uh, another. Okay, I'm going to go with Risky Business also. Boy, you're really locking up the 80s movies. I mean, that... they're dumb, but they're, they're, they're dumb, but they're they're fun little trifles where, you know. And also, Risky Business has a sort of a it's, – it's got a pretty seedy, like, undercurrent throughout the whole thing. Oh, it cer- that it certainly does, yeah. So I'll I'll take that. I'll take him and Rebecca DeMornay on the train and all that. Yep, that's fine. I am going to go with a movie that I can't believe kind of exists even, but I'm going to go with The Color of Money. Yeah, it is pretty crazy that, that that was that that was made so long after uh, after the hustler. Not even not even that. Just the idea of like, well, we got Paul Newman and Tom Cruise in a movie about shooting pool, and it's directed by Martin Scorsese. And it's a sequel to the Hustler. Yes, there. I mean, that's, that's also true. But it does like it, it. It it's funny that that's like that that. And it does make sense, though, if you think about it. 1986, I'm sure everybody was just falling all over themselves to get those two in a movie together. And it's like, okay, you have Paul Newman and then, like, the new version of the cocky, swaggery asshole. Like, yeah. how, how do we how do we make this work? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let's 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 do a sequel to The Hustler. And but the but the the real the real wild thing is, of course, Daisy directed it. Yes. L- l- by Good the old. way, listen to the listen to the uh, 
Actually, I'll I'll talk about this later because I don't want to tip my hand on my final pick here. But your final pick? Uh, yeah, you you have one more pick, two more picks, and I have one. Is that so? Yes. I guess it is. I have two more. Yes, correct. Okay, sorry. Uh, oh man, I don't like I don't like any of these movies that are left. Um, you know what? All the right moves. And pipe bolt. Sean strikes again. Ad Sean Western PA. Stefan Georgievic. Yeah, you know what? I'm actually I'm actually really fine taking that movie to tell you the truth. Fair enough. I I'm not I'm know. not knocking it. That's a that's an eminently watchable movie, but. Also filmed in Pittsburgh, PA, by the way, in in, in uh, small parts in Johnstown, PA. Tom Cruise loves Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh boy. We should next next week we just draft movies that were filmed in Pittsburgh. There are like a ton of them. It's the same There's with a lot. Boston. Yeah. There's a lot. It's it's certainly less than Boston, but you know what would be fun? Movies that were that were filmed in Pittsburgh or Boston. But we can only pick the other guys' cities. <laughs> it's possible. I love it. You should stick stick that one in in the uh, in the hopper. I'm gonna tweet it at the official Stick to Sports podcast. Yeah, uh, Twitter feed, and then I'll favorite it, and then I'll remember. Um, let's see here. Duh, duh, duh. Anyway, uh, my last pick. I'm going with the Outsiders. That's like one of my favorite books that I read as a kid. But when I saw the movie, like, well, like after the fact, after reading it, I was not, not pleased. Like I, like I, I read, I read the book when I was 10 or whatever, and then saw the movie at some point afterwards and was just like, yeah, don't love it. His teeth were jacked in that movie too, by the way, Cruz. Really? I think, yeah, oh yeah, it, he got, he got him fixed after that. Interesting. Uh, was that that was your last pick, right? It was. <sighs> Son of a bitch! All right, with my last pick, I'm taking the original Mission Impossible. Groundbreaking. Was that be you being facetious? No, uh, I am saying that that is that, you know, I, I maybe I overstated things, but like it definitely sparked a whole genre of like that kind of spy movie. I needed to just to just to pay tribute to the fact that I tried watching that on like my uncle's illegal cable box when I was <laughs> 10 and I tried watching it like a hundred times and I kept either falling asleep or like getting confused by it. It took me many, many times to understand it. That is not a movie that is meant for a child to understand, even a smart one. It's very, very, it's talky and confusing and sort of great because of how far out of line it is with the other ones. Even, even two, like two obviously is big and stupid, but that, the, the, the Brian De Palma-ness of that film is pretty striking. If you watch it again, 
Yeah, it's one of those movies where I probably haven't seen it since, what year did it come out? Like, 96, maybe? Yeah. I probably haven't seen it since, like, 98, so. It was on Netflix. I don't know if, I doubt it is anymore, but it was on Netflix, like, right around the time the last one came out. Yeah. And I I rewatched it, and, uh, man, it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. It's not. It's a complete. It other than the the scene where he, I shouldn't say that, he gets blown onto a train and, you know, descends from the ceiling and you know in that really famous scene. So there are these huge action set pieces, but it's yeah. like it's it's uh, so much thinkier than the other ones. I really like it. I really like it, and I'm glad I picked it. Yeah, you know what? I'll say this: we should on Tom Cruise. I think those are twenty very watchable movies that we just pulled up. There aren't many of them left, though. No, absolutely, there are not. Like Top Gun, I guess you would probably put. In I hate, there. I hate, I hate Top Gun. Yeah, but like people love it. You people know love I mean? it. I don't. Um, I don't care for it at all. I would. I don't. I don't ever want to see Top Gun again. You know what? You know, by the way, you know what is my least favorite Tom Cruise movie of all time? The what? Last Samurai. It's got to be close. It's fucking awful. <laughs> it's I'd say mine's really pro- mine's mine. This isn't my least favorite because I have like a fondness for it because my mom loved it when I was a kid. Far and away, it Never is a movie. In, oh, dude, it is a movie in which he and Nicole Kidman play Irish immigrants. Oh, that's and I'm out. <laughs> it's directed by Ron Howard, I think. Yes. And it's like three hours long. Oh boy! It's oh, I think it's got to be filmed in Boston, at least in part, because it's certainly set in Boston for the majority of it. And throughout the whole thing, he speaks like the Lucky Charms. Oh leper. no! You gotta see it. It's so oh, funny. Man. Oh, but yeah, the thing I was gonna say about that might be the worst movie he's ever made. But I, I, I look back on it fondly. The thing I was going to say about uh, Tom Cruise is the the quality of directors this guy has worked with is insane. Uh, oh, he's, I think that's, to, to me, that's like one of his low-key, like, that's what's what's been, what he's done so well with the Mission Impossible movies is that he's directed, like, the guys that have directed Mission Impossible movies alone. Yeah, so... The, the caliber of them is amazing. I'm just I'm just gonna go in like alphabetical order of like noteworthy or not alphabetical uh, chronological order of noteworthy directors: Coppola, Ridley Scott, Tony Scott, Scorsese, Levinson, Stone, Tony Scott again, Rob Reiner, Ron Howard, Sidney Pollack, Brian De Palma, Cameron Crowe, Paul Thomas Anderson, Kubrick, John Woo, Cameron Crowe again, like uh, Spielberg, Spielberg twice. Cameron Crowe for a third time, J.J. Abrams, Redford, uh, Brian Singer, Ben Stiller. Oh, I guess Ben Stiller did direct Tropic Thunder, huh? Um, Brad Bird. Like, this is crazy. Christopher McQuarrie for both uh, Rogue Nation and Jack Reacher. So, like, this guy works with great directors all the time. Yeah, and he got... and it seems like he got lucky early early in his career and then realized after the fact that it's super important to yeah. align yourself with, with with those sorts of people because you know yeah the dude he like he 
got J.J. Abrams on the come up, at least at, at least as it relates to big time movie director. Oh, he definitely did. Like, wasn't that I, his was, first? That was movie? probably the first. Yeah, you got. I, I it's got to be the first, if not one. Um, not one maybe of them. Cloverfield would have been before. No, that. no, 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 no. Cloverfield definitely wasn't. Oh yeah, no, you're right about that. Yep, no, that was his first uh, directing job. I thought maybe there was some anyway. some little some little one before that that. Nope, I, I'm looking I, at his IMDb now. He uh, he was a producer for a bunch of stuff, but Mission Impossible Three was the first thing he directed, and then uh, Star Trek. Oh, he didn't even direct Cloverfield, so there you go. Star Trek Super Eight, Star Trek Into Darkness, and The Force Awakens are the only five movies he's ever directed. Oh, he had done Alias before that. That's, well, right. I mean, that's that's what got him the yeah job. But I mean, still. Right. No, for sure. Okay. So, pretty sure it's safe to say that I won this one again. Oh boy. Oh no. Ah, oh, jeez. Uh. Yeah. What do you say? Let's do some listener questions. Okay. Uh. Yeah. The listener questions. Let me pull up my phone here. Scroll down a little bit. Um, Jimbo, a cartoon Jimbo, asks, uh, would you ever purchase a Google Home or Amazon Alexa-type product? I think about that a lot. I do, too. That's why I, I feel asked like, it. I feel like I probably would at some point, but I also, what I wouldn't do is go out of my way to buy, like, Internet of Things... Like I don't need I don't need my refrigerator to need the internet to function. Yeah, no, like that that's the thing is I, I think my answer to that question is no, because in five years everything will do that and it won't be up to me anymore. Like the next TV I buy is definitely gonna be able to like read my thoughts or whatever. So I'm not Yeah, but there's certain things like I don't know. Like like look at this it's some of some of the just like it light bulbs something as simple as that like there's so much so much overkill with that i, yeah, I feel like i'm a person when it, whenever whenever i see that but i it just doesn't it doesn't do it for me yeah so I, I think my answer to that question is no but only because i feel like we're weeks away from it just being like every every device you have does that anyway that's the only yeah. reason i wouldn't buy one yeah true um okay let's see offside review liker at patrick stefan (laughs) uh if trump wins slash one slash had one would you consider moving to canada seriously uh i have yeah (laughs) i had at some point same i Certainly much more sincerely than I have in the past. Yeah, I, I... I wouldn't. I mean, I've thought about it just, like, professionally speaking. I wouldn't, just, I wouldn't like, quit my job and be like, hey... <laughs> I, I would try. I would probably try. Like, really? I, like I, I, I would definitely be much more amenable to a job that would, that would take me to Canada. Oh yeah, yeah. Like For if, sure. if that became the thing, like if Trump got elected, because he's not going. I wouldn't. To. I wouldn't flee to Canada. Though. No, that correct. Yeah, 
I but like you know if if I got a job offer from Canada, I would be like oh yeah like there would be a hole in the border fence shaped like me. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. The the and that's been you know it's something I've thought about and it's come up to varying degrees in the past. Like there's always an issue of of leaving the United States, you know, on that level. But like I, something does stop me from going and, you know, going out of my way to live in Toronto or whatever. But yeah, I think any, any, any hangups, here's what I'll say. Any hangups that I've ever had about moving to Canada would be completely vanished. Complete, yeah. Completely. Yeah. Disappeared. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our friend Michael Foyce, he asked a question last week. He's asking one again. Would you rather have your limbs constantly be pins and needles, or would you rather pronounce words only like you've read them? Like you've only read them. Oh, before. man. That's a problem um, for a person who who read very young and saw words maybe before he heard them spoken. Yeah. Uh I believe it's called the curse of the gifted child. <laughs> um no, I I don't know. I but it's it's something me and me and Katie Baker actually joke about all the time. Just all the words that like that that I didn't know how to say that that I'd read when I was a, when I was super young. Hit me with so an yeah, example. I'm, hyperbole. I thought it was hyperbole. For, yeah, for, sure. Many, many. That's always the first one that comes to mind. But there's tons. Do you have any any obvious ones? Um, no, I I don't I don't uh think. Oh, Segway, Segway, Segu, Sieg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I got I got read to like I read a lot as a kid, but my parents were always really good about reading to me as well. Oh, a hundred, a hundred, like a hundred percent, like my. They, my parents were amazing with with that for sure. But so like, I, I don't really feel like that was ever a he- like. I definitely get where people are coming from with it, um, but I don't know that that was ever a, a big thing for me. No. That said, though, I, I would, I would, pro- I, I'm okay with doing that rather than feeling like pins and needles all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, as, embar- as embarrassing as that is, like I, in as guilty as I am of doing it at some point in the past, I think I would go with pins and needles, honestly. Really? Yeah, I don't. That's not a feeling I mind too much. I don't know. I, I've never, I've never been super bothered by it. So, all the time. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you just get used to it. Whereas the embarrassment of pronouncing probably hyperbole. Not, probably not true. Again, I'm just like in my whole life, I'm just trying not to be embarrassed for any reason. Yeah, I think I'm I'm more open. I'm more okay with that than you are. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I'm more I'm more prone to embarrassing myself. Yeah. I'm I'm just constantly like afraid that I'm going to. So that that's I can relate to that in other ways, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next question. Pins and needles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Next question from Jason Waterfalls at Cranman85. What's the best 90s kid sports movie, Mighty Ducks, Space Jam, or Rookie of the Year? Yeah, it's Rookie of the Year. It's Mighty Ducks, sorry. Rookie of the Year isn't even the best a little kid gets involved with a baseball well, team. Hold, hold on, hold the phone, hold the phone, hold the phone. On that, among those choices, I would go with Rookie of the Year. Really? But, over Mighty Ducks? Probably. Wow. But, Little Big League. Amazing. Far superior to, oh, <laughs> to yeah. Rookie of the Year. Absolutely. Not even a question. Little Big League is so good. So good. It was, a, it was a salad days for movies about children oh, being yeah. involved with Major League Baseball teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Uh, I, I, By the way, for the record, you're 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 right about Mighty Ducks. Like like watching it watching it now, it's it's Mighty Ducks. Yeah. I honestly think I liked Rookie of the Year more as as a kid, though. You know, I I definitely had Mighty Ducks like on VHS and watched it a million times and that the kind of thing. And I I don't think I saw Rookie of the Year more than like you know if it was on TV or something. You know. No, I was really excited. I remember seeing like the trailers, being really excited to see it, like actually going to see it with my mom for some reason, not my dad. I went to see it with my mom, like a couple of my friends. Yeah, you know, it was it was a it was a big deal. I was I was pumped for rookie of the year. Sure, I hey, it's it's not bad or anything. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's not it, it's not bad or anything. He says about a movie that he last saw when he was seven. Yeah, like or ten or whatever. Looking back on it, I guess I should say is I didn't think it was like I just didn't super love it. Didn't capture <laughs> my imagination with pitcher got a big butt and all that kind of thing. Little big league though. Little big I league. Think part, of that, I think part of that is also that that's like a weird a weird uh, example of like the age gap where it's like I saw a little I saw a rookie of the year when I was eight right because mm-hmm. that's like ninety four. And, and I can imagine not caring for that at all if i saw it when i was an 11 year old for sure yeah well the other thing there's a a big gap between 8 and 11 the other thing is like the whole kind of relatability of i feel like i could manage a baseball team i definitely can't throw 104 miles an hour maybe if you fall on your if you fall on your shoulder the the right way you know what you're right about that that's my mistake that is that all checks out, by the way. This, the science of Rookie of the Year checks out. Yeah. I, I've talked to leading sports scientists, and they all they all <laughs> say that it's that and Tommy John surgery are the two big things that really, like, you know, can add some MPHs to your velocity. My so. friend Garrett, is he has a master's in physical therapy. He is great at his job, and he says that at least Two or three times a year, he comes in with kids whose tendons have healed too tight and can now throw baseballs 100 miles per hour. That's crazy. You, would, you feel like those kids would show up in major league ballparks a lot more often. By the way, the, the, my favorite part of rookie of the year is when he gets the home run ball and throws it onto the field and like hits the catcher 420 feet away. Yeah, and they call him. They like the the ref actually makes a call on it. The ref, yeah. the, the ump actually makes a call on the on the play. Yeah. Yeah. As if, <laughs> yeah, like the next batter wouldn't even have been. No, it's cool. Let's let's start. Let's just pick out all the plot holes in, in Rookie of the Year right now. 
Well, I mean, I'm just saying that based on that throw, he was probably he was probably hitting 130, 150 on the gun, something like that. <laughs> I, right there was there was no arc on it either, man. That was a <laughs> no. It was a fro- it was that a was a that was a one plane strike from from home to or from the from the outfield to home. Kid was fucking throwing gas, man. What do you want? Henry Rowan Gardner. Um, okay, la- right. last question here from our friend Sarah, Sarah Barnett. Uh, what is your favorite tweet? Sarah. Oh, man, that's really tough. I I was trying to explain. I'll answer because this came up the other night at Trivia. Um, I have some friends who are not big Twitter people, and so they don't know about Drill. I, I was going to say it's it, – it's there's so many drill tweets that are like at the top of the list. Yeah, I went with the Betsy Ross. Oh yeah, the flag. Yeah, Buddy. The, the, and that became our trivia team name was Buddy. They don't even let me fuck it. <laughs> I I think I honestly the best tweet that I've seen in a while. And I feel like this might be. I hope this isn't why Sarah said it because I I did I did tweet about it uh pretty recently but um ron artest the former ron artest met a world peace on november 4th and i like this still makes me smile if i were president because it sounds like a drill tweet by the way right if i were president i would allow everyone in the world to raise jokes per ethnicity per year no losing <laughs> jobs BT, BTW, OKC getting beat bad. <laughs> he was watching Thunder Warriors, just thinking about thinking about how people should get some leeway on racist jokes, and then just wanted to throow that in there. Well, okay, so let's... BKC, OKC, BKW, OKC getting beat bad just makes that so yeah. goddamn great. I'll say this: let's let's put it into two different categories. One can be like weird Twitter. And there, believe me, there's a million great weird we, Twitter. I, I don't. I really don't want to. I can't. <laughs> I, I, I. We can't just start talking about the about the best. Uh, yeah, it does. It doesn't work. But I was. But, I, I was gonna say in terms of like straight up like normal human being tweets, like yeah. no irony involved. Piers Morgan's "I want to die" is. Yeah. That's all purpose, you know. The drills candle tweet. That's one of my favorites. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, my personal favorite tweet that's ever been tweeted at me is, and it was my background for so long, was when Charles Oakley tweeted directly at me one oh, time. Yeah. Because I was like, I, this is when I lived in Charlotte. I was all, I was like all banged up, like coming coming home late, and I used to just. I used to just complain because I lived in a cool neighborhood, but there was no like, there was no like stop and shop, like convenience store that was open 24 hours. So it was like super late. And I tweeted at Oakley and I was like, Hey Oak, like you should open up, open up a, open up a 24 hour, uh, store on the corner of 30th and Davidson and I'll, I'll manage it for you. I tweeted that at him drunk at like three in the morning. And I woke up the next morning and waiting for him was Charles Oakley. And he like manually RT'd it. 
didn't just reply. Manuel Artied it, and he said, "Remember, you said that." I, believe me, I remember that tweet vividly. That's that is still my favorite tweet that I've ever gotten, or this ever been like addressed to me dir- directly. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty solid one for sure. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever gotten a good celeb tweet at me, apart from one from Michael Chiklis about what an asshole I am. <laughs> um, yeah, Dan Ellis, like, didn't even, like, at me. He just, like, I guess you'd say subtweeted who me. Is, who, is, who is Ryan Lambert? No, he was, like, because I had written a thing, like, back when I was still writing, like, the Puck Daddy eulogies. I had written a thing. Yeah, I, I remember that. But he actually, he called you by name in it, though, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's what I mean. But he was like, uh, it was like, Ryan Lambert, maybe the one thing you can remember from tweeting, it, from my tweets, is to stay classy or something like that. And, and I was like, my work here is done. Charles Oakley and Dan Ellis. Good stuff, everybody. So yeah, I guess that'll do it for this week's episode. It, it, it will, and I, I will go back to waiting for Charles Oakley to, you know, scoop me out of bed and make me manage a store for him in in, in Cleveland or where, wherever he's living full time now. Yeah, because no, because that was that was that was why it was funny. And that was why like I was actually sort of interested in it because Charles Oakley lived in Charlotte at the time. He was right. He was an assistant coach for the Bobcats back then, so he was in Charlotte, and I think it had opened like a, you know, opened a car wash or whatever it was. Okay, we've talked about this enough, but yes. Okay, so that'll do it. Um, and then I don't know what the schedule looks like for the rest of the week because I will be in New York City, but we'll try to figure something out for a show in the near future again. So. Stay tuned, I guess. Good, good luck. And for those of you who are watching this during the election or listening to this during the election, good luck. Godspeed and see you on the other side. Vote for Bernie Sanders. Goodbye. <laughs>